five. With great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo five o. Mojo five o. We will make America great again. Sam Sorbo. Show. I'm your host, Sam Sorbo, here on Mojo50.com and also uh, wherever fine podcasts are hosted. Thank you so much for tuning in. And also, I urge you to share the message because, well, I'm not doing this for my health, am I? Well, actually, I am. Uh, we're going to talk thousands of hope, thousands of people hopeful for meaningful change gathered in Washington over the weekend, but AG Barr said, hey, the protesters in D.C. were not all that peaceful. And a police officer drops a truth bomb that nobody saw coming. Wait till you hear the audio for this. And then maybe a little bit about surveillance technology and how the NSA might be trying to use it in the future. Uh, so we've got a lot to, to uh, get through. I've got some great audio for you guys as well. And um, let's get right to it. So thousands gathered in Washington, D.C., protesters at the nation's capital. Over the weekend, they were hoping to inspire meaningful change. The The interesting thing, of course, is that they've already accomplished that. But you know what? Uh, you keep at the message long enough. You want to get your, your point across. I think it, it makes sense. Several protesters mentioned that they were encouraged by the presence of different ethnicities. That's terribly superficial and actually kind of racist. But it's the way we are taught to look at the world. Uh, one person said, I, at first I wasn't going to come, but then I saw all the solidarity and unity. People of all races were down here, and I was like, this is about me as a black man. I got to come there. And then there was a, he was a black man, obviously. There was a white female who shared his same optimism. It does make me proud to be an American, to know that we can come out here and do this. Most people are good and decent and are out here for good reasons, and that inspires me. She said she'd been frustrated that Americans are still having to talk about policing issues in 2020. Well, don't you believe that most police are good and decent and are out there for good reasons? It seems like you're self-contradictory a little bit. Uh, but the protest says she feels changed her mind um, that, that, uh, we're, that we're talking about policing issues. Of course, we're still talking about because people are not perfect. So to expect them to be perfect is ridiculous. But the the strange thing is the Minneapolis police has now been disbanded like they've defunded the police in Minneapolis, which brings up a whole series of questions. First of all, are all those guys just out of a job? No, they will be repurposed to youth counseling or some such nonsense. Because that's worked so well in the past. This is, again, Democrat policies that are implemented without any kind of nod. No, nod's the wrong word. Without any research as to how effective they are going to be. Without any research. And so where does that leave us? Well, it's going to leave us with a city without police. I don't know how well that's going to work for the city of Minneapolis. 
Derek Chauvin is the white police officer who knelt on Floyd's neck. It was an outrageous, horrific act that never should have taken place. But then again, it was part of the police training, which is why we need to re- vamp some police tactics clearly because that never should have happened. And the guys who were with him have now also been charged with aiding and abetting second degree murder, which is the charge he is being prosecuted for. But that said, strangely, so we went to church on Sunday, first time back in church in, in quite a while, obviously, um, and, and surprisingly, and because we've just moved, so this church is brand new to us. Um, it was the church's first day back and I didn't, uh, realize that I just, I noticed that they were going to have a service and I said, let's try this place. And we did. And the sermon was how to address injustice. And I thought, oh, this should be interesting. Um, which it was, frankly. And so he started, the pastor started out by talking about the horrific video. He said the longer version of the video is even worse than the shorter version. Now, I understand in the longer version, as um, as George Floyd is being uh, detained, a packet of white substance drops from his pocket or something along those lines. Um, But apparently, and I have not watched the video, and I don't care to. I saw the kneeling on the neck. That was enough for me. Um, Look, the world's a violent place. He was a violent criminal. He held a gun to the belly of a pregnant woman, threatening her life and the life of her child for which he was charged um and the the i know that the narrative has gone around that he that he was getting his life together but when he is being detained high on two different substances and another substance drops from his pocket i i question the the narrative that he's somehow reformed which still does not justify the police brutality that we witnessed. To be clear, Candace Owens came out with a very long video detailing how she did not admire George Floyd and was dismayed that people are lionizing him as if he is the best that the black community can produce. And I struggle with that too. I would love to see marches on behalf of Ben Carson when he separated congenitally joined twins. Uh, That's a protest that I would, I don't know what you would be protesting, but that would be a rally that I would love to see. But he's sort of persona non grata. And now I don't know if you heard this, Colin Powell came out um, 
endorsing Joe Biden and saying that Trump is is uh, an enemy of the Constitution, which I find so outrageous. All right, back to the sermon. So he talks first about the the video, and then he says racism is real. And immediately in my head, I went, how do you jump from the video to racism? Is it always a racist act if it happens between two people of different races? Do you, when you get angry at somebody, does their race come into your calculation? And so then we have the idea of institutional racism, which people have now embraced as, as, a, as a given. And, of course, I'm not allowed to speak on this, being of a majority race, I suppose is the best way to put it. And then the pastor, and, and so, so I struggle with just making the leap that because the, the police officer was white and George Floyd, Floyd was black, that therefore institutional racism is obvious. It is not obvious to me in that particular instance. Um, and I have some really surprising video. I'm getting to it. Okay. But I want to finish up with this pastor. Um, he then went on to, and he's a white pastor. And I've heard black pastors saying, this is not an example of, of racism. It, it may be, if we delve further down, if we can know what was in the heart of Chauvin, or Chauvin, uh, maybe he was a racist. We do not know that, because we can't know what was in his heart. But this white pastor is convinced that this is absolutely an example of oppressive system, systemic racism. And then he said, we have to, first of all, we have to admit that it's real. Uh, we have to listen to other people and have conversations with people, specifically people of other races, and hear their story. And then we have to pray. Okay, good. That's fine. And then finally, we have to love. And he said, we have to love overtly, boldly, recklessly, bravely, generously. And I thought, that sounds like you're saying no social distance. <laughs> I just couldn't help myself. That's where my brain went. But one of the things he said while he was talking about prayer is this. What if in our generation we could be the first to get it right? And that completely discounts not only the Civil War, but Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, and, and a host of others. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, for a pastor, you probably need to be a bit more careful with your words. These days, we allow emotion to sort of rule the day. And it's a very dangerous thing. Um, one example that he gave that I thought was very interesting that I want to share with you 
is that when somebody says Black Lives Matter and you answer with All Lives Matter, um, it is kind of duh. Um, and the example that he gave that I thought, okay, that's actually that's actually a worthwhile sort of uh, response is if you have four children, one of them gets hurt and you're taking the, the one to the hospital, the hospital doesn't say, well, what about your other children? And other people don't say, oh, yeah, I heard your, your son got a concussion. How are your other kids? Because all of your kids matter. <laughs> so to a certain degree... Uh, I thought that was I thought that was helpful to the conversation, and the reason that I say that is because my this white pastor believes that we have institutional racism, and so do a host of other people. In fact, perhaps now a majority of other people. So to 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 speak to that, we'll go to this phenomenal um, video on. YouTube by Avi Yemeni. Avi Yemeni is uh, is in Australia. He's Australian. He is a man of color by his own admission. I'm not implying anything here. He says I am a person of color. And so he decided to take to the streets to interview. They had 40,000 protesters on the streets out protesting the police brutality the death of George Floyd, and and basically, it seems to be mainly just against racism and against cops. And so he was asking people about Justine Damon, who was an, uh, apparently an Australian woman who was murdered by a black police officer in Minnesota. And she was unarmed according to his story. So he decides to go and ask the protesters about that young woman who was white and the police officer was black. She got shot dead by an African-American. Is that just as bad or not? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. So that just just isn't bad. The amount of people that are like, all lives matter, it's like, yeah. Does all, all lives matter? Not right now. Why do you think no one ever protested like these 40,000 people in the city for somebody who's not even Australian. But when Justine Damon was shot dead, and she doesn't have a criminal history, why do you think that is? Well, I'd have to say that's a bit of white supremacy, is it not? You know, that's not... um, I mean, I... I So I'll have to cut in here, because his face is like he's trying to remain neutral because he's interviewing people he doesn't want to, he just wants them to be the person who's expressing the opinion. And But his face is like, wait, what did, what did you just say? So the woman says it's white supremacy that the white woman was shot by the black police officer, even though she was unarmed. And of course, his question was more, hey, an Australian woman was shot by a black, by a police officer. And nobody took to the streets in Australia to protest an Australian woman being shot by a Minnesota cop. But for a black American criminal to be shot, and I don't know what Justine's crime or so or or, uh, alleged crime was, but for I mean, it's anyway, his he, he has this quick 
incredulous sort of response on his face, and then he goes back to neutral, and she's there saying it's white supremacy. Is it white supremacy? Well, uh, because she's white. Because she's white. She's white. (laughs) Do you know how many white Australians have died in police custody? I don't really care, to be honest. Are you arguing with the statistic, or you just don't like it? I think you talk to people of colour and get their voices. I'm a person of colour. So the person who told him to talk to people of color was a white guy with pink hair. So does he count as a person of color because he's dyed his hair pink now? I mean, if we can change our genders, shouldn't we be able to change our race? Like Rachel Dolezal? Rachel? I call her Rachel. That's just a, that's an, that's an, uh, I, I, it's just in my head now. Uh, she changed her race, but then they said no. She no, that's not allowed. She can't change her race. Um, Elizabeth Warren changed her race. And they just swept that under the um, under the Navajo carpet, <laughs> under the tent. They just swept it under the tent. Uh, so some people can, and some people can't. And in fact, Avi goes on later in this video to say, "I guess." Uh, the fact that I'm of color has is of no consequence in this discussion because I'm not the right kind of color. Are we off to the protest today? Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you something? So George Floyd is what kicked this off, is that right? Yeah. yeah. You care about George? Of course. Do you know somebody called Justine Damond? No. No. You sure? Yep. Okay, listen no, to is. this. Um, not explicitly, but I do, I've heard just the name. We'll jump on the train with you. You so, going on this train? So this is, that's, this, so he's, he's jumping back and forth between two different interviews. And the, the, the one interview, she just said, yeah, yeah, I've heard the name. That's just a, that's just a ploy because she doesn't want to appear ignorant. But this next interview the woman is answering and then finally the guy speaks up because the woman is getting cornered with being asked to produce any facts, any facts to support her opinion. To bring awareness that it's also happening within Australia. What's happening? Racism. What, What racism exactly? That we neglect the First Nation of this country. How do we neglect them? We don't provide them with the same opportunities that we have. Which opportunities? It's this systematic racism. It's the same thing. You can't deny that it's not happening. No, I like that. You can't deny that it's not happening. <sighs> I'm sorry. It's just, it just is. You just, it is. It's like, it's like gravity. You can't argue. Well, okay, with gravity, I can pick something up and drop it and it falls to the ground as proof of gravity, which, by the way, the scientists still fail to explain. They just know that it's a law, but they can't actually explain it. Um, and so with gravity, there's absolute proof uh, because that's what we call that. Okay. So now we have systemic racism and I'm looking for proof or he is right. And she She's just, no, it just is. You, you just can't deny it. The wording, systematic racism, give me an example. So he likes that. 32 Aboriginals that have died in police custody. How many white Australians have died in police custody? Do you know how many white Australians have died in police custody? I don't really care, to be honest. I don't want to have a conversation. You don't care. No, I guess. They only care 
about the people of color. And the problem is, when you only look at one thing, then you will see the result that you're looking for. So for instance, if you only care about global warming, you will only look at temperatures that are more than what they were. (laughs) So you only look at summer temperatures. And then you only look at the highest of summer temperatures. And then you can conclude that every year the temperature goes up as long as one day out of the year you have one record temperature for one day in the summer or something to that effect. So these are the people that he said he would he would accompany on the train and they are headed to the protest. And by the way, they're both wearing masks, so they're doing good social distancing practices. With George Floyd, maybe given his skin colour, it just kind of trigger is more triggering to the population here because, I mean, as my sign says, same racism, different soil. Um, yeah. Do you know... That's so. I, I'm sure she feels very clever with that sign, by the way. Same racism, different soil. Which is really fascinating. They're embracing this. A person called Justine Damon. No. 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 Justine Damon. Do any of you know that name? Not that I know of. I haven't heard it. All right. So we've established if, if you're black and you, get, and you get choked out by the police. And by the way, again... This was a horrific thing, and I think that it's good that there is a review of policies and practices within the police department, because this was an egregious um, over, over, well, uh, there's hardly a word that really covers it. It was egregious. Let's just put it that way. It was a terrible, terrible thing. And... Now we are in a full upheaval. There are other there are other motives. There are other agendas at work. So what I want to ask all these people is do you believe in God? And if you don't believe in God, then do you believe in Evolution, which I think would be the the generalized answer. Sure, I believe in evolution. So you believe in Darwinism, survival of the fittest, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Then explain what is wrong with what happened to George Floyd. Because that is really just an example of survival of the fittest. Well, we don't do that in civilized society. Okay. What do you mean by civilized society? You know, like like current society, pro- progressive society. We don't do that. Because why? Because it's not right. Okay, so now we're into right and wrong. So, so you admit that there is a right and a wrong. Well, yes, of course there's a right and a, right and a wrong. Then why do you believe in survival of the fittest? unless you think that the right belongs to the might. So somebody sent me this graphic. This is a graphic off of Fox News uh, of the Weather Underground's strategy. Destroy capitalism. 
The weapon of choice would be systemic racism and police racism. Identify the victim classes, organize the victim classes, engage in international solidarity with the global movement, attack and dethrone God. When you start to see this as a bigger picture, I don't know. It really makes me um, anxious over where we're headed. Here's another meme off of, uh, I guess this is off Twitter. Um, There's a conflagration. uh, Looters, it looks like looters. Excuse me, it looks like looters, people with face masks, although they're, they're, they're um, fabric, which I don't know, doesn't, doesn't do anything. Anyway, um, it's a gas station that is a blaze, a blaze. And the question is, how radical is the left? And the answer is, they destroyed the country over something we all agreed on. Everybody agreed that what happened to George Floyd was intolerable and needed redress. Everybody agrees. But the left is using this to destroy the nation. The left is using this to paint a a larger narrative of the unsuitability of this nation, of the pervasiveness of something that is only to be surmised that it's, it's a leap that you, that you just cannot make. You cannot make that George Floyd was killed because of racism. You cannot make that leap. Not logically anyway. And yet all of these people are doing that. All right. Let's move on. Uh, I don't want to dwell too too much on this. Um, Barr has come out and said, hey, you know, the media is promoting big lies. He disputed many claims made by the mainstream media last about last week's riots in an interview yesterday, saying that the media has been telling the public lies about what has been going on at the allegedly peaceful protests. He said there have been 750 officers hurt in the last week in Lafayette park. uh, There were protesters last Monday, the federal agents who were there report up to you. She uh, he's asked by the CBS news host, Margaret Brennan. Did you think it was appropriate for them to use smoke bombs, tear gas, pepper balls, projectiles at what appeared to be police, peaceful protesters? Try to say that 10 times fast. Pepper balls, projectiles at what appeared to be police, peaceful protesters. I still can't say it. Okay. And he said they weren't. There were three warnings given to get the protesters to move. They needed to move. He said there were violent riots on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Lafayette Park where the park police were under constant attack behind their bike rack fences. They were battling over fences. They were trying to get entry. They were throwing bricks and inflammable liquid at the, at the police. 
On Sunday, Barr Bar continued, things reached a crescendo. The officers were pummeled with bricks. Crowbars were used to pry up the pavers at the park, and they were hurled at police. There were fires set not only in St. John's Church, but a historic building at Lafayette was burned down. The um, CBS reporter tried to respond by claiming that those were things that looters did. And Barr said, not looters! These were the violent rioters who dominated Lafayette Park. They broke into the Treasury Department and they were injuring police. And then he continued, here's what the media is missing. This was not an operation to respond to that particular crowd. It was an operation to move the perimeter one block. He, they, they switched topics to the Donald Trump uh, photo op with the Bible in front of St. John's Church. By the way, there was no tear gas. He also um, grilled the media for how it covered the riots. He said, I didn't see any video being played on the media about, of what was happening Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All I heard were comments about how peaceful the protesters were. I didn't hear about the fact that there were 150 law enforcement officers injured, many taken to the hospital with concussions, so it wasn't a peaceful protest. So there you go. That's according to A.G. Barr. You can believe him or not. The people on the train with uh, Avi Yamini, they just didn't believe. They don't want the facts that dispute what they already believe. This This is the struggle we have going forward. Because of our education system, we have now created a culture, a society, a society of people who are unwilling to consider that they might be wrong. And they have been educated with lies, schooled, not educated. They've been schooled in lies. And I honestly, I'm not really sure how best we can battle that. For one, obviously, we need to rethink education. We need to completely rethink education. But... That's going to take years. And we have a crisis developing right now. Because the plan is to destabilize and then exert tyranny. And the first people on the chopping block are the Jews and Christians. Because they believe in the truth. In fact, it's already happening. There's a another meme out there that says... and and. Hold on, do I have that video? I have to, there's a video uh, going around of the, um, it's a compilation and I I didn't put it up because it's got so much going on, but um, there's a reporter talking about President Trump holding up a Bible. And what's he thinking, like that he is a man of God or that he we're supposed to believe in God or that she literally, she was like, 
so disdainful. Like, what the heck does the Bible have to do with anything? What really was her, her point of view. Erin, um, I can't remember her name. Uh, she, was, she was mocking him. And so there's this meme saying, the media is more outraged over Trump holding a Bible in front of a, a historic church than they are over the fact that the rioters lit the church on fire. Because they don't care about the church. So it's okay to light it on fire. CNN was fine with the rioters until they came to the CNN building in Atlanta, at which point they were like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, guys. What, what, why are you targeting us? Because that's what the left does. First, it goes after the people that you're like, yeah, that's fine. I don't care about those people. And then it comes after you. But we haven't learned that lesson. There's that, there's that famous saying, uh, and I can't remember who wrote it, but uh, it was about Germany. First they came for the fill-in-the-blank, and I didn't protest because I wasn't one of those. And then they came for the fill-in-the-blank, and I didn't protest because I wasn't one of those. And then eventually uh, they came for me, and there was nobody to protest anymore. So either we leave in, either we believe in freedom for everyone, or we don't. And if we don't, that means that we believe in slavery for all, because that's how it works, and you can't have it. You can't have it both ways. All right, police officer. This I thought was fascinating. So this is a police officer in Milwaukee. And he's asked because he was sort of criticized for uh, being on his phone when there were other things happening. So I want to play this for you. Disrespectful by being on your phone and not being attentive to them. Well, I was on my phone, and yes, that's true. I was following developments with a five-year-old little girl sitting on her dad's lap who just got shot in the head by a drive-by shooting. And if some of the people here gave a good goddamn about the victimization of people in this community by crime, I take some of their invective more seriously. The greatest racial disparity in the city of Milwaukee is getting shot and killed. Hello. 80% of my homicide victims every year are African-American. 80% of our aggravated assault victims are African-American. 80% of our shooting victims who survived their shooting are African-American. Now, they know all about the last three people that have been killed by the Milwaukee Police Department over the course of the last several years. There's not one of them can name one of the last three homicide victims we've had in this city. Now, there's room for everybody to participate in fixing this police department, and I'm not pretending we're without sin. But this community's at risk, all right. And it's not because men and women in blue risk their lives protecting it. It's at risk because we have large numbers of high-capacity, quality firearms in the hands of remorseless criminals who don't care who they shoot. Now, I'm leaving here to go to that scene. And I take it personally, okay? We're going up there, and there's a bunch of cops processing a scene of a dead kid. 
And they're the ones that are going to be out there patrolling and stopping sus- suspects that may have guns under the front seat. They're the ones that are going to take the risks of their lives to try to clean this thing up. All right? We're responsible for the things we get wrong and we take action. We've arrested cops, we've fired cops, and so on. But the fact is that the people out here, some of them, who had the most to say, are absolutely MIA when it comes to the truth threats facing this community, and it gets a little tiresome, and we start getting yelled at for reading the updates of the kid that gets shot, yeah, you take it personal, okay? Now, no offense, but I'm going up there now. So they weren't, uh, that's got 3.3 million views. They were not, they were not uh, expecting that. But it's, there's, there's some truth there. We are expending, as a culture right now, we're expending a great deal of energy because of one incident and ignoring a whole bunch of other stuff that actually is deserving of our attention. But we only have a certain amount of bandwidth. I look at all these people that go to the, to the protest, and the protests have already uh, resulted in actions. I look at these people that are going to the protests and I'm saying, you know, is there maybe at this point a better use of your time and energy? By the way, Mitt Romney joined the Black Lives Matter protest march in Washington, D.C. So he's getting out there. (laughs) I I got nothing. 17 people have died in the protests and the riots. That's nationwide. Updated uh, just yesterday. They range in age from 18 to 77. Of course, most of them are officers, law enforcement officers, either current or former. Some of them were just innocent bystanders who got caught in a violent situation. The oldest casualty was the 77-year-old David Dorn, who was shot to death while protecting Lee's Pawn Jewelry Shop in St. Louis from looters back on June 2nd. He was shot and left for dead on the street. There was a terrible video of somebody just sort of video videotaping it and screaming. He had served on the city's police force for 38 years. President Donald Trump shared Dorn's story in a message on Twitter Our highest respect to the family of David Dorn, a great police captain from St. Louis who was viciously shot and killed by despicable looters last night. We honor our police officers perhaps more than ever before. Thank you, he tweeted. Uh, They go through a list of uh, people who who died. Perkins, Barry Perkins was a 29-year-old protester run over by a FedEx tractor trailer in St. Louis on May 30th after two men threatened the tractor-trailer driver with guns. Fearing for his life, the driver began driving while Perkins was stuck on the converter dolly between the two trailers. He died later in the hospital. That's a a horrible way to go. Italia Kelly was 22. She was shot to death while she was leaving a protest in Davenport, Iowa. Her family told the media that she was a peaceful protester and got caught up in the violence. Anyway, um, at some point, at some point, are the protesters responsible for the violence? 
because they're giving cover to the violence? I just wonder if, uh, if we have some kind of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, some kind of opinion on that. Maybe not. Maybe they're just doing what they, what they think they should. All right, so some fear that governments could exploit the pandemic to usher in broad invasive powers after this crisis has long since passed. I look forward to that day, frankly, or that the crisis has passed, not that the not that the coronavirus surveillance technology can be used against us, but of course it can. And why wouldn't it be? Power seeks more power. Haven't you noticed? Did you know that um, when the bubonic plague swept through Europe in the 16th century, people in London were ordered to stay home for a month if anyone they lived with contracted the disease. And if they needed to go out to, you know, purchase food or other supplies, they would carry a plague wand, which was a long white stick. And that way they would be identified uh, and other people would stay away from them because they would be identified as a, as a plague participant or something along those lines. And we kind of have the same today, except that everyone is being told to wear masks um, although I know so many people who refuse to wear the mask, they just, they just outright refuse. So they go there. I had a friend who told me over the weekend, she said she went into uh, the post office and the post office on the, on the door outside the post office says there's a sign that says the CDC recommends masks, something to that effect. But, but there's no, um, uh, there's no uh, requirement in, in the signage, there's absolutely no, no demand, no requirement. So she goes in the post office and the postal lady says, I can't serve you if you're not wearing a mask. And she says, um, it's a suggestion, not a requirement. And the postal lady just shrugged her, shrugged her shoulders. Like, I'm not serving you if you don't wear a mask. So the woman pulled her T-shirt up over her mouth and nose and said, okay, here you go. And the postal service person said, that's not a mask. And uh, my friend said, I'm covering my face with cloth, the same as what you've got on your face. And so then the, the postal service person relented and served her. But I'm wondering, you know, they, they're thinking about having you carry a card that says that you've been vaccinated or something. And I, I'm sorry, as as a... As a good Jewish girl, I just see gold stars everywhere. And by gold stars, I mean the gold stars that you were required to sew onto your clothing by the Nazis in Germany prior to the start of World War II. And during, of course, World War II. And I look at that and I say, so we're so keen to group identify people. And that might be a huge mistake. And then to separate people. 
And that's the other thing I, d- I don't like about this. And I'm not saying, um, look, social distancing seems like it's very logical. We still don't have proof, but it does seem like a logical thing is, you know what, st- stay away from people while this bug is going around. There's no reason to overexpose yourself. And yet um, I'm, I'm struggling to uh, actually practice it because I like people. And I like hugs, and uh, it's been it's it's been a desert, frankly, you know. So they advise us, hey, stay home and avoid other people. But I think it's going to be harder and harder for people to continue keep that up. Now, some people, uh, the introverts out there, are like, this is like perfect for me. <laughs> I could just stay home and nobody thinks I'm weird or anything because COVID, you know. And but because they can't they 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 can't enforce that for too much longer, I think they are looking at surveillance systems. And we already have them. They map out the movements of entire populations. There are because of, you know, the smartphones basically. In fact, I've heard and I'm not giving this any credence, but I thought it was kind of funny. I've heard that the reason that, that they're saying, hey, keep six feet apart from people is so that they can better track your phone to keep it from like overlapping with other phones to keep the signals from overlapping or something, which I, look, I don't even know how any of that works. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say yay or nay. I, I just thought that was kind of funny, crazy, and I'd share it with you guys. Um, they've got facial recognition cameras. They've got drones that fly above to blast out audio warnings even to people not fi- following the social distancing guidelines. There are apps that can be installed on our phones to tell us whether we have come into close contact with an infected person. And so this technology obviously has extraordinary potential maybe even be beneficial to the full-on societal recovery from COVID-19. But, of course, there's an entire debate about using it because the governments can then exploit that, and that's tremendous power, to invade people's private lives. In fact, part of the argument against allowing Huawei to supply much of our 5G infrastructure is because Huawei works for the communist Chinese. So I was very heartened to see that Trump seems to be acknowledging that. I I don't know for sure, but I mean, he's made, he's made motions Uh, We'll see where it ends up, but I'm very concerned. Look, we already had the IRS targeting groups for being Tea Party groups. And that was absolutely a political plot of the left to dismantle or at least uh, debilitate the right. We've seen that. That is using government powers 
very effectively against Americans. It was outrageous. What's amazing is the people who practiced it got no punishment. It's all good. Carry on. And oh, you, by the way, the gal who sort of in a in a way let it up, she still has her pension. She's totally fine. She pled the fifth. She was allowed to leave the courtroom. She was allowed to read a statement, which legally speaking, you can't read a statement and then plead the fifth. So according, this is off of Bloomberg. Um, Human Rights Watch published a, a letter cautioning against the expansion of surveillance powers. States cannot simply disregard rights such as privacy and freedom of expression in the name of tackling a public health crisis. If history has taught us anything in the post 9-11 era, it is that once governments put in place surveillance measures, it's very difficult to then roll them back. We're not saying technology has no part to play in a pandemic response or, or that surveillance can never be the right thing. And that's according to Rasha Abdul Rahim, who's the deputy director of Amnesty International's technology division. But increased digital surveillance needs to follow certain conditions if it's going to happen. He says it must be proportionate and limited to what is strictly necessary. Yeah, I don't even know if that's going to do it. You know what I mean? The minimum amount of private data should be collected for purposes related only to the pandemic response. But we know that if they start collecting the data, which they are already, they'll collect it all. If history has taught us anything, it's that uh, they don't... They don't give up power easily. In Cambodia, the government recently passed a new law granting broad powers to monitor communications, control the media, seize private property, and restrict freedom of movement. Human rights groups say the country's authorities are using the pandemic as cover to arrest activists, and why wouldn't they? And that's, I think, really what we need to to understand here. I've still been putting up my um, accidental homeschooler videos. You should check them out. They're over at Sam Sorbo on YouTube. Um, I'm getting some great comments. Love this. We will all organize homeschool differently. That's the beauty of home education. I needed this reminder today. Thanks. I love getting comments like that. And then um, somebody from Minnesota wrote me and said, I just gave my wife the task of ordering your new book. Um, he read Kevin's book and, uh, and then read a summary of mine and just decided that, that it was time to get my book. And I, I highly recommend it. It's called They're Your Kids. Um, and then someone else just, just uh, wrote me, schools have let us down for decades. My son has only ever been homeschooled. His best friend has been compulsory schooled in an inner city school and now our suburban school. Both have similar skills and make friends easily in the neighborhood, but my son is light years ahead. For example, in geography, and then she goes on to explain how her son can find things so easily and the other kid doesn't even know where to start looking. And sadly, it's for things like Africa, 
he doesn't even know where to find Africa on the globe. He didn't know that we lived in North America. Now, she doesn't say how old these kids are, but if they're, they're, they're the same age, so we're, we're comparing two. I'm just saying, like, I found that a very interesting comment. Um, great comments on my radio. Thank you very much for your feedback on my radio. Um, I just, uh, yeah, and I love this. I will be homeschooling my baby child. He's 12 this fall. And, um, and I love to hear that people are being convinced. I spoke to somebody else over the weekend because I can't help myself. And he said, yeah, we, we have our kids into a, um, an online school. And I said, is it Christian? And he's Christian. And he's, and he gave me the kind of salt and light argument. And I, and I said to him, because the I'll tell you the videos this week I talk about sex, basically why you should have the sex talk with your kids and not rely on the school to do it, um, and several different facets of that. But I said to him, do you think that there is a proper time to have a conversation or to expose your children to um, more adult content? And he said, of course. And I said, think of the stuff that they're getting in school that is anti-God as adult content. Because he was all like, well, I want my kids to be exposed to like the secular world. I don't want them to be like closeted. But it's like having like, and in fact, I talk about this in the videos, you know, you, you, you make the sex talk age appropriate. You don't have the full-on graphic details with photos for a five-year-old because that's inappropriate. It's not correct. But that's what they're doing to our kids in school, and they're doing it not just about sex. Believe me, they're doing it about sex, but not just about sex, about God, religion, uh, the, this country with the 1619 Project. In fact, later today, I'll be interviewing um, Bob um, Woodson, of the Woodson Institute on America's voice dot news. If you want to tune in at two, I think it's two thirty in the two o'clock hour, uh, Bob Woodson is coming on and we're going to talk about that. And the, here's the thing you can, you can say that the United States has some bad history. It's true, but we also have some phenomenal history and you cannot just look at one side. You cannot look just at, rising temperatures and not also look at the falling temperatures. You can't pick and choose the data to fit your narrative. That is unscientific and that is what they are doing. That's what they're doing. The enemies of this nation and the enemies of freedom who are one and the same. That's what they're doing. All right. Please tune in. Oh, thank you. I love listening to your podcast every day. Your show is my favorite talk show. Very enlightening. Thank you so much. I just love these comments. They they really help me out. So thank you for that. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. This is the Sam Sorbo Show on Mojo Five O. Do check out my YouTube. Go follow me on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I appreciate you. Now go have a great rest of your day. <laughs>